Previously on Just Cow in the City. You're still working at that choking puke down on 22. So I say to myself, maybe it is me. I'm done. I'm not going to McDonald's. I'm not going to McDonald's. As we all know, most of my girlfriends end up either dead or in a mental institution. But that's not the point. Those magic changes. I hope that place just falls apart. Oh, one other thing. Your pizza sucks. Ha-cha, just got in the city. Everybody's here looking good and pretty. Been down, isn't it a pity? Trying to make things looking bright and chippy. All around, people seem crazy. Walking around trying not to be lazy. But at night, it's a different place. Making it work in your own space. Come on, come on and dance all night. I'm here each week, it'll be alright. Cause it's just cow in the city. Cause it's just cow in the city. Cause it's just cow in the city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Just Cow in the City, April 19th, 2022 edition. One day away from 420. Hey, smoke them if you got them, am I right? Ooh, man, this shit's so good. Yeah, 419. 419. Hello and welcome to the show. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You know, oh, my goodness, from Annie. Well, it's uh, nice to uh, be with everybody today. I feel like I sound different. I feel like I sound funny. I can't put my finger on what the problem is. I don't know what the cleaning lady touched one of my buttons or something. But I don't sound right, but it could also be, I think I'm just full of sinus stuff. So I think my voice sounds different because, you know, I've, I've been, I've lost my voice for the past couple of days and I definitely you know it's some sort of sinus thing. It's exactly what happened to me after my birthday where I totally lost my voice and what a disaster it was this Friday when I was on stage and lost my voice. So we'll get into all that. In a second, it's been an unbelievable week. I'm taping this on Sunday, and I wasn't even sure if I'd be able to because I just my voice is completely shot. Although it it does get, I don't. It's not getting better. It just it's bad in the morning, and then it just kind of maybe I can do stuff. And you know, I led the seder last night, so I'm getting through it all. But it's not. It has not been easy. Um, it's not. My throat isn't sore or anything, but. Well, it's not good, you know. There's definitely, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's a seasonal thing. I think when this stupid weather is all over the place, which it is, you know, it was 80 degrees on Thursday, and then I'm in the chilling rain the next day and not dressed appropriately because it's 80 degrees in the afternoon. It's very confusing. So I'm assuming that has something to do with it, and that all happened on Sunday. But where to begin, as you know, the Gilbert Gottfried funeral was that, well, maybe, well, you know now, but when we left each other, I don't believe that was the case. So I think we just have to start from the beginning, which is when we left you, I recorded on last Friday. I mean, you know, we've got a lot to discuss today. And every time I say we have a lot to discuss, I end up talking so fast that, you know, it's like a 10 minute episode. Uh, I'm not trying to stretch it or anything with the podcast is as long as it is, right? But I do tend to go off on tangents all the time, so I'm sure it'll be what it needs to be. I'm just, I wanted to prepare a little bit more, but I've been, I, I mean, I have had like a regular week old school where I haven't like been able to do anything. I've been out 
and about and as if there was no COVID, but yet felt like a person that had COVID, even though I tested for non-COVID. So why don't we just start from the beginning and see where that leads us. On Friday, after I recorded the podcast, I went down to the Comedy Cellar to see Alon audition at the Comedy Cellar. And, you know, he was auditioning for the woman that runs the club, Esty. So I thought I'd go down and support him, which is the right thing to do. And I did just that. And he passed, which was really exciting. And then, of course, you know, we had to go out and celebrate. And everything was fine with my my body and my throat and everything. And just always get just nervous about spending money, it's all. But what are you going to do, right? So I'm glad I was there for him. And, uh, I th- you know, I watched his show and he went on after Marina, which was good. And it was so funny because, you know, the woman who books the room, who you've seen in Crashing, her name is Esty. She's been around for years. She came into the room when Marina was on and Marina got nervous. I mean, Marina's a staple at the cellar for many years, but it's funny that this woman promotes fear and every, you know, she just gets nervous. I mean, Marina's not in any danger of not not working there. It's funny that this Esty, who is, you know, a very sweet, kind person, is just, uh, you know, has so much power. She's not usually sitting in the room. So it was on a Friday night, which is a big deal. At 7.45, Alon had a spot. And uh, you know how I usually just hate going out. But I've been going out more, so I guess I felt better about it. And I went down and took the, the motor scooter down there. and Made it just in time. He had a great set. I don't know how he wouldn't have passed. And he did a great job. And it was fun hanging out there. And then, of course, I went to my bar, right? Because I think he, I don't know, maybe he went somewhere else. I don't know, maybe, I I don't remember what happened because it was so long ago and so much has happened since then. I just remember going to my, you know, place next to the cellar and being excited to go there. And I said, we can go there. And he came in with Modi. I don't know if you know the comedian Modi, who was the one who sponsored Alon, even though I had told Esty about Alon two years ago. That was pre-COVID. And he sponsored him and said, you got to hear this guy. You're going to like him. And so, of course, she did. And so Modi came in uh, to the bar and we were hanging out. And I saw these people that I like from the bar that have nothing to do with comedy. And I started to have a good time, right? I was drinking and I guess I had, um, I guess, did I just have beer? I don't even remember. I don't remember. I remember I was having a good time. And I remember I was having a good time so much. I just. I'm such a fool. I just kept buying everybody drinks. That's what I do. I'm just like, hey, come on. We're going to have, I mean, what am I not going to buy? Hey, whatever this kid wants, he just passed it to Comedy Cellar, you know? <laughs> like, so then there's this girl, this kid I know, and they were allowing me to like kind of sit there. And I'm like, hey, let me get you a drink because that's what you do, you know? That's why I just, that's why I need a job just so I can make sure I can buy other people drinks. And then there's this girl, this NYU professor, I know her, and she's such a weirdo and such a drunk. It's funny that she's an NYU professor, and I, you know, she's such a sad sack, too, and it's funny. I'm like, come on, I'll buy you a drink. You're all right. You're all right. And uh, it's just so funny to be able to, to do that. It's so stupid, and I can picture myself doing it, but I can't help myself at the time. I just like, I I don't know, I like pretend. It's not only like pretending, it's just like in the moment, it just seems like the right thing to do. You know, as long as my sister's not with me, because then, you know, she'd be furious. Once in a while, I'm going to have to take a sip of something. We had a good time, and then Alon's wife showed up, and then it was a bummer. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, she showed up with a friend who, 
it was really pretty, but like has a puss on her face. Like she's just never having a good time. So, but it was all right. She was okay. And then we sat down and, you know, had a, had a good time again. And it was just nice to hang out and just really have a good time. And so Elon's wife knew somebody who was putting together, like doing some new metal show at the Mercury Lounge. She goes, oh, my friend said she wants me to come over and do this new metal show at the Mercury Lounge. And I'm like, wait, they're going to, it's heavy metal? And she's like, no, it's new metal. And I'm like, yeah, metal, that sounds great. And I really wanted to go for multiple reasons, mostly, you know, just be like, well, this is a hilarious thing to say on the podcast that we're going to go to this metal show. And her friend, and I was up for going. Because normally I'm just not up for going, but I thought it was going to be metal. I'm like, you know what? I'm in the mood for that. Because I remember last week I had just seen that Quincy episode where everybody was slam dancing. I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. I mean, it's so weird that that's what I want to do. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. That's what I'm going to do. So um, I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's go. So we went down to the Mercury Lounge. I think I think we just walked. And uh, and, and we went in and, and it was just, it, but it, it was called, it's new metal. Whatever the, N-U metal. It is not the metal it is not your father's metal. It is not what I was hoping for, which is Poison and or Ozzy Osbourne even or Warrant. Uh, it was not the good stuff that I considered metal or even metal metal, like even Metallica or something. It was like 90s new metal, of which it, she said exactly what it was. I guess I was thinking something else. But we walked in. And everybody is, it's not that crowded. I think there's a video of it and some pictures, but everybody was slam dancing in the middle. They were slam dancing. I mean, it wasn't crowded, but I'm like, this is so weird. I just talked about this Quincy episode on my podcast today. This is so weird. So I was like so happy to be at the club. And obviously I was definitely the oldest one there and kind of wanted to get into the pit. If, if, if there was a good... If there was good songs that I knew, I would have. I mean, I remember I knew, you know, you know the songs. You just don't think of them as metal. It was like one of them was like, a, I, I'm so alive. You know, that one from the 90s or something. I mean, it's fun, but it's not it's not what I was looking forward to. And it's not something I would slam dance to. And like I said, you know, if it's not the Ramones, what's the point? It, the, the slam dancing was it, that that punk rattle, that punk rock was better in the Quincy episode to slam dance to than this lame shit was, and there wasn't that many people there. But it went, I think it went from midnight till four or some, something like that. But but the the girl who ran it was really happy to see Sarah, and I mean she, this girl was the coolest girl ever. And we all went, and we just kind of stood there, you know, with our holding our. Well, I guess I didn't take my jacket. I mean, Elon was holding his jacket. We they all looked old, so it didn't seem that bad. It, it would have been weird to go in there. I, I don't know what kind of people that are, whatever they were wearing that, I guess they all look kind of more goth than anything. And they're just wearing stupid shirts and everybody's pretty heavy. Uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't like the beautiful people or anything, but you know, it wasn't a bad time. It's just like, uh, it wasn't what I was expecting, but it was so weird. So of course I asked the girl, Sarah's friend, if I could uh, get up and talk, and it was just a DJ. I'm sorry, that's what made it suck. I thought it was like a live band. It was just a DJ. 
it was just a DJ up there playing, and then everybody was dancing too. So it was like stupid. And I asked her if I could go up and talk to the DJ and have him stop the music so I could talk to the kids about the dangers of new metal. I did ask, but she was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, "What? no, I need to talk to the kids. Thank you. Listen, uh, there was a murder that took place here last night, and I know you know the person. Now, nothing's going to happen to her if she comes forward. <laughs> that would have been awesome. I, I don't know. I should have. Oh. oh, man, I'm telling you, I wish I could have. I wish I was more ballsy and and Alonja's held up the phone and I asked them to stop the music. Thank, can you please? Thank you. Kids, I just want to tell you that this time of your life seems like a lot of fun, but there's also a lot of danger in slam dancing. If you got to be careful and then they just start booing and throwing stuff. I mean, wouldn't that have been unbelievable? But what are you going to do? Listen, I need to talk to the kids. I need you to turn off the music for a little bit. That's uh, all right. And then uh, we left. And of course, uh, I didn't. I was like, well, how am I going to get home today? And it was freezing again. Oh, my God. It's so annoying. I haven't been eating because I've been going out so much. And you know I don't eat out. I lost 12 pounds. I mean, I was pretty much back up to almost 200 again, and yesterday I weighed myself up. My mother was, was 188. I haven't been eating, and I don't know whether it's whether I am sick or some sort of flu, or I, I just haven't been eating. I just it's because you know I, I haven't been sitting at home and having a meal. You know, I've been going out and you know just having like a picking and stuff, and it's I guess it's helpful. Like I guess I don't know. I'm not hungry really, but. That's the thing, you know, I mean, that's how I just gain weight. I just have these, you know, times where I'm like, well, it's seven o'clock, it's dinner time. And I haven't had that for a week. So I didn't do it Friday. So I'm like, well, I need to eat something. So I stopped at a halal guy's place, right? And because that's on 14th and 1st and the Mercury Lounge is on the Lower East Side, which was terrifying on a Friday. I don't like the Lower East Side. It's the only place in town where I feel completely old and i've felt that way since i was 30 and quite frankly if i'm being honest 25 so and now it's different and i just didn't i don't feel comfortable there anyway but it was like you know it's loud and crowded and full of i don't know and i'm nervous about walking around there but uh i just was happy to be heading home and i went up first avenue and i said i'll stop at the halal guy place and then what am i gonna do then i'm you know i guess i'll take the bike so I stopped at the, you know, it's chicken over rice, right? But I said, but these guys were there that were drunk and they're like, yeah, two red lines. Give me two red lines. That means like the hot sauce. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just get one line. I'll get one line because that hot sauce is really hot. But I forgot how hot it was. Oh my God. It's way too hot. It's the hottest hot sauce that, that I've, you know, that it, for me, it's very hot, but it makes it so delicious. So I got it, and then I walked out, and then I wanted to get the electric bike because, of course, as you know, the stupid motor scooters don't run at that time. So I had to walk up to 23rd Street and get an electric bike, which is just a pain in the ass because you want to get home. And, of course, it started to rain. Of course it started to rain. It didn't rain all day long. And then when I finally get on the goddamn bike and I got to go home, it starts to rain. Pretty much as soon as I parked the bike, the rain stopped. It was really annoying. But I was really glad to be home. I was glad I had a festive night. I don't... Yeah, maybe I was a little loaded, but not too bad. And I remember, right, so then it was Saturday the next day, and I knew I had nothing to do, so I was really pleased. Like, I was just editing the podcast and putting all that stuff together, and I guess, you know, maybe Elon and I recorded. Oh, that's right. We had the um, 
the um, amazing Q&A show for uh, our Billy Joel podcast, which was so much fun. And all the people that joined, and I know there's a, a couple people that cross over and listen to this podcast, and thank you so much for joining us and making our anniversary so much fun. That came out this week on Billy Joel A to Z. It's really fun talking to everybody. So, right, that's what we did. And, um, I'd forgotten it's so long ago. It's it's over a week ago, but that was great. And then, so remember, right, I was going to cook, right? So I'm like, you know what I want to make for dessert today is a fondue. I don't know why. I was thinking I just want to dip bananas in chocolate sauce. That's all I want. I just want bananas. I don't want any other. I don't want apples. I don't want any of the strawberry shit. I just want bananas in a chocolate fondue. If I make chocolate pudding for dessert sometimes, why not just make a fondue? But I'm like, well, how do you make a fondue? Do I really need a fondue pie? I haven't had fondue in like 30 years. I figured maybe that'll be fun to do. It, even though late, I figured out it was too much work. But um, I thought that's something I could do. So I'm looking up recipes for fondue. The first one that comes that comes across is Valerie Bertinelli. Now, you know how I feel about Valerie Bertinelli and her cooking skills. I love Valerie Bertinelli. If Valerie Bertinelli was here right now, I would be just so in love with her and I worship her, and I think she is the coolest and the best and the greatest. But I don't, and as I've said already, I don't need any goddamn cooking knowledge or cooking tips from her. I don't care, and it just pisses me the fuck off. You know, I don't need her to tell me. Now, the reason why you want to use dark chocolate is because it really brings, I'm like, shut up. You are not accredited member of the chef community. So because I'm planning on making my own cooking show so I don't have to deal with people like this, uh, that's the thing. However, here's the thing. So she's making the fondue. I'm watching the thing because I can't. I just, I, she's so cute still to me, and my my '70s crush on her still holds up. Uh, and I'm watching her anyway, and you know, still watching people cook is entertaining if they just shut up. And I'm watching how it's made anyway, so I'm watching it. And she's, I mean, it's not like she's unappealing to watch, even if she's saying that stuff. It's just annoying, but whatever. I'm watching it. And then she's making fried bananas to dip in chocolate fondue. And she's like, well, she she, she also forgot the ingredients. She's like, oh, my God, I forgot to put something in. And I'm like, this is so funny. But then I saw my favorite cook, Jacques Poupon, or Pepin, however you pronounce his name. He forgot something, too. So it does happen all the time. Anyway, the point is, she's cooking something. And she goes, you know who gave me this recipe? Mrs. Van Halen. And Mrs. Van Halen, my mother, no, she goes, you know who gave me this recipe? My mother-in-law. And Mrs. Van Halen used to say, if you don't have the bananas fried, I'm like, all right, now you got me. Now you got, now I'm in. God damn it, she won me over. I mean, if you're going to say, you know who gave me this recipe? My mother-in-law, Mrs. Van Halen. All right, I was riveted. God damn it. That's going to work every, that's the coolest statement I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, my mother-in-law gave me this recipe. You know, Mrs. Van Halen. Of course, on the flip side, I would have been just as enthralled as you. You know who gave me this recipe? Guy who played Schneider on One Day at a Time. Yeah. Yeah, he's all right. Turns out this guy's okay. He was a pretty good cook. Used to cook on the set all the time. Yeah, Schneider. Yeah, the super. (laughs) Yeah, Pat Harrington Jr. gave me this recipe. Yeah, what a terrific guy. (laughs) Let's face it. I would have been all in on that too. But what's cooler than saying this is Van Halen? So then she goes out and she's serving it to her friends who I, for some reason, know her name, Melissa Peterman. She's also on on Young Sheldon. She's like a plus-size 
actress, but very pretty. And I know her from the show Reba. Now, why would I watch the show Reba? Because this beautiful girl, Joanna Garcia, used to be on it, who married Nick Swisher, the baseball player. Why do I know all that kind of stuff? I just used to watch it for Joanna Garcia, Reba. I couldn't care less about Reba. I was just waiting for her. She played the character of Cheyenne. It was such a pretty name, too. That's why I remember. And Joanna Garcia is very, very beautiful. And so she's feeding Melissa Peterman and I guess her husband. And then she says to them, like, well, you know what gave me this recipe? Mrs. Van Halen. Yeah. And she was like, you know, and she said it again because she gets it too. It's pretty fucking cool to have your mother-in-law be Mrs. Van Halen. What are you going to do? Right? I mean, that's goddamn, God, God damn, that is cool. That is just the coolest thing. So now I'm in love with her again. I don't want to watch her cooking, but I'd sure like to be her pal. She's probably got a lot of good stories. A lot of stories from the old days. A lot of stories about Schneider. So then on Sunday, you know, Sarah Silverman's in town rehearsing her play. So I know she's always free on Sundays. And she's like, and I wasn't sure. I like really wanted to sleep. And I wasn't sure if we were getting together and having brunch. And I'm like, oh, maybe she'll call it off. Like, I just kind of wait. Oh, because I was up all night. I had trouble sleeping. And I'm like, I'm not going to wake her because I know she wants to sleep. And I don't know whether she wants to get together. And then like, like I was like just going back to sleep. And then finally at 1 o'clock, she's like, all right, you ready? And I'm like, oh. Okay, but she's in so town so limited that, you know, I got to see her when she has time. So I get get it together and I go down and I meet her at her, her where she's staying, which is this sick loft space. I might have taken some pictures. I don't know, but it's like she's just staying there for three months in this, you know, place that nobody can ever afford unless you're in a Woody Allen movie. And... You know, we we just we were having a good time, and she's like, you know, I can just cook for us, and we don't have to go out. You know, just get a little high, and I can cook. And she cooked for us, and it was amazing. And it turns out that, like my friend Alina, she likes to cook whatever it is she cooks. You know, uh, healthy options, uh, like my friend Alina does, while somebody else is sitting and she's talking, and she can do all that at once. So she just made like kind of eggs or whatever they were, because I think it was like a. She's not vegan, but. It was a vegan recipe, I guess. And I didn't care. It was still delicious and um, made some toast and some avocado and some vegetables. And it was delicious. And we had a really, we just stayed in because I think it's, does it start to rain again? I don't know what it was. No, maybe it didn't. I don't know. It was just windy and cold. Again, I wasn't dressed properly because it was warmer when I got there and, I don't know. The weather's been so confusing. So we just stayed in and had a good time, had some laughs. She made some coffee. And we stayed for like, I don't know, five or six hours. We were just really happy in her apartment. So we didn't have to leave or do anything. And then she walked me out just to get some groceries and it was freezing outside. And I'm like, ugh. And I'm thinking, how am I going to get home? Because, you know, I, I just don't like taking a taxi or a cab or, you know, I could probably take the subway or something. But I don't think, no, I walked. That's the problem. I ended up walking. I'm just trying to place the timeline. I think that's, well, first of all, I'm pretty sure that's where I caught whatever I had because I was freezing the whole time, like walking, and it was chilly, and I wasn't dressed properly. And I feel like, you know, when I got home like the next day, I'm like, uh-oh. 
I don't feel very good. So the next day is when I took, and I'm like, oh, perfect fucking timing. I'm supposed to see this. Um, we're, Sarah and I are supposed to go to see the opening of American Buffalo on Broadway on Thursday with Samuel L. Jackson. Not Samuel L. Jackson, I'm sorry. That's very racist. Lawrence Fishburne, I'm sorry, Morpheus, and Sam Rockwell, and I think Darren Chris. I think that's the other guy. Uh, this David Mamet play. We're supposed to go to the opening on Thursday, which was so, you know, I was really looking forward to it. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And there's also the Comedy Cellar Christmas, the holiday party. And I'm like, oh, please, really? I'm going to get sick now? So I took a COVID test on Monday, but I was completely negative. I mean, there wasn't even a faint line of what would say you were positive or, you know, any form of COVID whatsoever. And the other line was completely straight, which means the test was very conclusive for me. Um, Now, should I have taken maybe another one? Maybe, but it's like those things are hard to get. So that's a problem too, but I, I was like really positive because there wasn't even a faint image of a false positive or a false negative. So I felt very confident that I did not have COVID, nor do I have any of the COVID-like symptoms. So so when I was walking back, I believe I Jeff called me, Jeff Ross, and then what I didn't know, I believe, is that Gilbert was sick. And I was, you know, and I was asked Jeff if he wanted to come over for Passover because he was performing at the Stress Factory in New Brunswick. I said, if you want to, we can start it early and then you can go, you, you could Uber out with it. It's like 30 minutes out from where my sister lives. And then at least you can spend some family time with us because I know he, he likes that. I invited Sarah over too, but um, she doesn't care for that kind of stuff. But Jeff likes being with family and he likes, you know, he, I think he likes being invited anywhere. Who wouldn't? But he's cool about that. He can hang out with normal people. Uh, Sarah pretty much cannot. So, <laughs> so uh, then he told me about Gilbert and that Gilbert was in the hospital. And Gilbert was in the hospital. I don't think I'm disclosing. I mean, the guy's dead, so it doesn't really matter at this point, um, unfortunately, of course. But uh, he was in the hospital since April 1st. I didn't know. And he pretty much said, I don't know what's happening this weekend. And he was pretty much saying... I don't know if Gilbert's going to make it through the weekend. And that was shocking. I'm like, what? I knew Gilbert, you know, was in and out of the hospital. He was having procedures and things like that. And he kind of had a bad heart. And, you know, obviously he wasn't, it's not like he looked well, like if you've seen him on my live shows where you have to help him on stage and stuff. But I don't think I knew it was that serious. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And so then that night I got home and I called Frank Santa Padre who is his co-host on the Gilbert's Colossal podcast, you know, that I've been on with the, the the odd couple thing and everything and where they interview all those great people that we love. And I've known Frank for the longest time and he told me the whole story and I, and I texted his wife, but I, I didn't want to bother her. I just texted and said, or maybe I called, I don't know. I, I didn't want to bother her or something. She called me back and I think I was sleeping and I felt horrible that I didn't get the call but obviously I was concerned because I know his wife better than I probably do Gilbert, even though obviously Gilbert and I were friendly. But, um, and then, you know, I just, I, f- I felt bad for Jeff. I remember, right, we were walking home and I just felt, I'm like, Jeff, I'm so sorry. Because that's two in like, what, a two week? Bob Saget and Gilbert, those were his boys. Those are his best friends. And it's just, I'm like, oh, Jeff. I'm so sorry. I mean, he he's crushed. Why wouldn't he be? He was very close to both of them. 
and all these guys that keep dying, these comedians. You know, it's so weird. So I forgot about that, too. And uh, so I talked to Frank, and he told me the whole story, and, and maybe I'll, t- I'll tell you the story another time. And uh, Frank was really, really upset about it, but we talked for like a half hour. And then Attell called me, of course, because Attell and Jeff had been going to the hospital. So I was planning on going maybe Tuesday. I was just waiting for Dara to say it was okay or if she wanted me to come by, obviously, because this is in my neighborhood. But Attell was there actually when Gilbert passed. Um, so it, it, Attell called me just before he died. No, I'm sorry. Attell called me and told me he was dead. Yeah, that was on Tuesday. And he said, don't tell anybody yet. And I'm like, no, of course I'll wait till it's official. Right, because I had uh, breakfast with Nick Griffin that day in the morning, and I said, I don't think Gilbert's going to make it past the weekend. And uh, yeah, then he just died that day. That day. It's so sad. Obviously, I feel bad not only for his wife, his two kids. They're 14 and 12. So right, we went on the Tuesday 6 o'clock show and talked about it because um, about an hour later, uh, Dara put out the the word that in Gilbert had passed away. It was so sad. Um, it's so weird. It's so weird. You know, 67. Like I said, after 50 for a dude, especially after 60 for guys, it's, uh, it is a true crapshoot, but it's just like, why are there comics dying? You know, what's going on? Um, and it's not like Gilbert was like a rock and roll comic. You know, it's not like at least Saget used to be able to party and have a good time, even though he died completely tragically in a different way. But you know, you expect it for not for Norm Macdonald, not for Gilbert, not for Bob. You expect it from a Sam Kinison. You expect it for somebody like me. Um, you know, like I mean, that that would be like, well, the guy liked to party. <laughs> I mean, this this just isn't right. So, you know, I just texted Dara, uh, his wife and everything, and just, I didn't, I didn't even know what to say. I don't want to text, I don't like texting people right after you hear. So I, I just put like in a little emoji of a sad face because I didn't want to bother her. I mean, I never, you never know how to handle it. You hear about it and then you know everybody's going to bombard you with shit. So it's risky and I always figure I'll call the next day or the day. I don't know. I don't know. I, you never know what to do. What's the the proper situation to do but the weird part is that that night so we went down to the cellar or or we had the cellar show when we were talking about it a little and telling some gilbert stories of course and uh and that night was the comedy cellar holiday party and they weren't gonna stop the holiday party for this but it was good that we could all kind of be together all the people that knew him like me and jeff and rachel and i think uh, rachel posted all of us to get me and sam morell and I'm glad Jeff, it was great that Jeff was in town, actually, so we could all be together. But it was fun. When I first got there, I remember the thing started at 10, so I left at like 9.45. I mean, that's tough for me anyway, leaving the house at that hour. And I took the Revel scooter down there, and I went in, and Tell was sitting in his little staircase at the Comedy Cellar, and him and outside Steve, you know, my friend, were smoking cigarettes, and I knew my throat was like not in a good place. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do? I'm not going to tell him to stop. And I'm like, this is the worst thing. Cigarette smoke is the worst thing for my voice and everything. And I knew I was going to lose it. But I'm like, but of course, I'm like, 
I'm only spending an hour because I didn't want to ruin it for Thursday. For Thursday, which was going to be the Broadway show opening. I'm like, I don't want to ruin it for Thursday. I don't want to ruin getting sicker for Thursday. So I'm not going to drink a lot. There's no way I'm not having one beer, but I'm only staying for an hour. I'll get there at 1030. I'll leave at 1130. Well, of course, 5 a.m. I'm... <laughs> oh, man, I don't know what my problem is. It's so nice to see everybody. And I am a social guy, even though I'm also not a social guy. It's the strangest the strangest thing, I like being alone and I like being around people. It's, I guess that's the best way to be, right? So, of course, I had, I think I only had one beer. I mean, I really was pretty good about it. I didn't go to the, the bar afterwards or anything. You know, I just, um, I think I had one beer and they had all this food, all this food. And I wanted to eat it so bad and I just cannot eat in front of people. I just feel stupid being at the buffet. Meanwhile, it's so funny. Rachel Feinstein, she gets in. She's like at the buffet, and that's where she's waving to me. She can't help herself. She's got to like <laughs> level up a big plate of food. But she has a big plate. You know what I'm saying? She's so, she looks so good. But I just get embarrassed. I don't know why. I have no idea why. I'm like so weird. I'm such a weirdo. And for me to call anybody else weird is even stupider. But when it comes to eating in front of people, I just can't do it. So... And I wanted to. They had fried chicken and shrimp cocktail and macaroni and cheese. And I just couldn't do it. I don't know why. I'm afraid of carrying around that plate and sitting down and eating. And then I figure I'm going to eat too much. And then I'm going to be stuffed. And then I'm not going to have fun. Oh, my God. In my mind, I don't know where that comes from. The mess that is in my head. I feel sorry for when I finally do get a therapist. Boy, that person's probably going to. They're going to kill themselves, and then they're going to blame me in the note. So obvious. (laughs) Of course, that'll be. They blame me in the note. (laughs) So anyway, um, it was fun, and and Atel was even there for a little bit, and Con Quinn and everybody. You know, everybody was there at the cell. It was always nice to see everybody. And of course, Liz, well, you know, I had to go because Liz would have been so upset. It was mandatory. It was mandatory. People were, it was a mandatory thing. You had to go. If I didn't, even though I was sick, there was no, unless I had COVID, there was no way I wasn't going. And you know, I didn't want to go. And Liz made it very clear that because she put so much work into it and she really did. They had like a casino night upstairs that you could get tattoos, like real tattoos. That was weird. I don't, I don't think any of the comics that the staff mostly got tattoos and they had a photo booth and, you know, all that. And she puts all this food together. I and mean, she really does it nice. And so, of course, she's like, it's mandatory you attend. And um, you better. So, of course, I had to. And, of course, I had a good time. I knew I wasn't going to have a bad time there. I just didn't want to stay because I was feeling unwell. But not mentally, just just my throat. So then we were just hanging out outside, me and Atel, uh, Louis Katz, uh, Ian finance and stuff and it, you know we're just hanging out outside the village underground with all the homeless people and all the garbage and so gross so many disgusting homeless people that just don't stop they just don't stop and they get a little too close and you know but I mean, what are you gonna do but they're just they're really intrusive but we are technically hanging out on their turf I guess I don't know but it was a nice night I think if I remember, I think it wasn't too cold, so 
it was fun hanging out and tell was funny obviously and um but all that cigarette smoke was driving me crazy i didn't get high or anything but uh but it was fun to hang out and i didn't want to go home or anything oh i remember it was great because a lot of the people that i didn't know that were new knew who i was because uh, rachel had posted the judge jerry clip so they, they you know so they so it was great because then you know at least uh they're like oh my god i saw you on that clip you were so funny and that made me feel a little vindicated in the sense that you know i'm not really working there that much anymore so i felt like i belonged which is the most important of feelings obviously when you have abandonment issues so anyway, we're hanging out outside and we're having a really good time. And Natal says, I'll give you a ride home. I'm like, you don't have to give me a ride home. But he doesn't mind. In fact, he gave me a ride home. You know, I'm all the way on the other side of town. And he's like, yeah, I just got some errands I'm going to do after. It's five in the morning. I'm like, what are you going to do now? He's like, I got to make some stops. Like, <laughs> I don't know what he does, his late night activities or whatever they are. And so he drove me home. But we're going up 6th Avenue, right? Oh, first we're like walking to the car. And he and there's all these people out. You know, he parks kind of by Washington Square Park all the time, and it's it's not a great time to be in New York. I keep telling you, it's a little dangerous. Oh, that's right. That Tuesday there was a big subway shooting. There was a huge subway shooting, and I that's I took the subway down to the club. That's right. I didn't take the revel. I took the goddamn subway because I thought that would be. I don't think there were any bikes. That was the problem. And I'm like, well, I'll just take the subway because it drops you right off the cellar. But I mean, think about that. That's like when you know you're a real New Yorker. There's a massive shooting. I mean, thank God nobody died yet um, on the subway. And yet you're like, well, it should be fine now. So isn't that funny? You don't take it for two years. Well, not because I was scared. I was just afraid I was going to catch something. But, you know, and you hear just bad stuff. But then there's a shooting and I'm like, well, I'll take it this day. Who cares? You know, the, the odds of it happening again would be astronomical would they which they would but it's just funny to take it that day meanwhile everybody's on edge i'm taking it down there you know so anybody that makes a sound there's a guy sleeping on and i'm like i don't want to be in this car because what's that guy sleep like how do you lounge i'm talking about when you're sleeping like lounge out you lie down on the thing which you just got to be crazy so i don't know anybody that looks at you funny anybody that's doing something odd you know everybody's on edge but you take it because it is the best mode and the easiest mode of transportation and the cheapest. So what are you going to do? So I was obviously happy that he was able to drive me home. So we go up 6th Avenue and we pass Radio City Music Hall and on it. And I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is like so weird because we had the, the, the Quincy thing with the slam dancing. And then I remember I told you guys, and I don't remember what the context was, but I was saying... If you don't play a certain, if you don't do a certain bit, like it would be like, aha, not playing take on me. And I use that as the example. And I'm going past Radio City, and there's a huge sign. Radio City says, Thursday, aha, sold out. Aha, the bear. Aha, sold out at Radio City Music Hall this past Thursday. How the fuck is that possible? They have one song. And I've talked about this multiple times on this podcast. They have one of the greatest songs ever. I mean, truly. I could see paying for a ticket just to see them perform that live. And you know that's an encore song. You have to be fucking idiot if you open with that song. But imagine if they didn't play it. I don't remember what the context was we were talking about. 
And then remember, they tried to release a second song from that album. I think we talked about this like only recently. The Sun Also Rises on TV. Is that what it was? The Sun Also Shines on TV. Something like that. And then that's it. And then they messed up the James Bond theme, The Living Daylights, where they had to ask Chrissy Hine and the Pretenders to fix it. So I unless... The, but apparently there's another world in which AHA is huge because I was talking to my friend Joe Messina and his wife loves AHA. So I don't know whether they're making new stuff. I don't even know whether they had multiple albums. I'm assuming they had at least two. We got to look this up for next time. But that said, sold out on the marquee. AHA. 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 How can that be? Somebody is going to need to explain to me. I get having a one song, but I figured to be sold out at Radio City and need at least two. I mean, do they really play the living daylights? I mean, even the James Bond people thought that song sucked. Uh, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. I got to do more research on that. I just didn't have time this week, obviously, and I couldn't believe I remembered to write it down when I got home. And I was trying to tell a tell about it, and uh, he was spaced out. He's got to concentrate on driving, so I couldn't tell him about it. And he took me home. I got home, and I'm like, well, that was a super fun night, and I feel really good about myself. And, you know, this is so strange. I'm having all these problems, and I should get a real job, but... Geez, you know, I, I am, I, I do have this talent that it's so sad that I can't seem to make it work. I feel like I, you know, am somebody when I'm there and I feel like I had a really good night and it was super fun and, you know, I, but I gotta, I gotta work stuff out, but I guess not tonight and everything will be fine. Meanwhile, you know, I was out late and the cigarette smoked, so I'm not feeling that great on Wednesday and I'm very uptight about Thursday. Anyway, now we know that there's going to be a funeral on Thursday you know, I know the whole thing. On Wednesday, I guess, um, we were told the funeral for Gilbert was going to be on Thursday and the shiva would be at like 3 o'clock. For me, I wrote to Sarah and I said, listen, why don't you try, why don't we meet at the shiva and then we'll go over the thing. Now, I know she's got to work until like 6, 7 every night. She's working really hard on this play, obviously. But she's like, we had so many miscommunications. She just wasn't understanding what I was suggesting because I could do everything and still go to the play. But she goes, maybe we should bail on the play, which clearly she didn't want to see anyway. Maybe we should bail on the play and I'll go to the ship. And I'm like, no, we could do everything. But she then texted back, say, yeah, I canceled the play. And I'm like, God damn it. I wanted to do everything, mostly for you guys. I wanted to tell you what it was like going to a Broadway opening. I don't think I've ever been to one before. We probably would have gone backstage, met Morpheus. <laughs> Sam Rockwell, he's way cool. But what are you going to do? It was probably better that we did cancel because it was important that we were at the ship at a certain time. So, but that was on Thursday. And I was, so I was a little disappointed, but I was also like, well, it is better for me. Maybe I can relax a little bit in the sense of, you know, my voice or throat not being great, or maybe I'd be coughing in the theater 
all that kind of stuff, especially waking up early, being very nervous about that, all that kind of stuff went away. So I'm like, it's not the worst idea. It's just kind of a bummer because you want to do it. And I've never seen that play before. And I feel like I missed out when Al Pacino was in it back in the 90s, although I don't know whether David Mamet's stuff holds up in this crazy day and age we live in. Anyway, on Wednesday, I just tried to kind of stay in and be mellow. I wanted to concentrate on working and calling people, but I just couldn't do it. My head was, I was a little dizzy because I guess I was trying to take some medication and I was just trying to rest. So I, you know, was sleeping a lot. It was very important because I hadn't been able to rest the past couple of days. So I figured I needed a day of rest because tomorrow, Thursday was going to be a big day. And I remember I went to the store. I, I decided to get breakfast for some reason, like out, like a, just a bagel with some uh, like eggs, a, a breakfast sandwich, which I never eat. And I'm like, oh, I'll go out and get it. I never have breakfast breakfast. Maybe I'll have a donut or some raisin bread, but I decided I wanted a breakfast sandwich. I guess because I was up all night. I, couldn't, I was having trouble sleeping for obvious reasons. I'm just very uptight about everything. And uh, I went to the store next door. It's called the Blue and Gold Deli. And they, uh, there's a, it's so weird. They have a, a sign that says no dogs with a big circle over a dog. Just like in that um, Snoopy one we know. No dogs allowed or birds. And I walk in and there's a lady with a dog right at the counter. And I just start laughing. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I really want to go up to her and be like, hey, the matter with you don't read that fucking sign. But my voice wasn't in good shape for that. Like I couldn't get out the, the way I wanted to. So she left, and then the guy from the counter, he's like, can I help you? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm getting, it's funny because there's a huge sign that says no dogs, and this thing goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, so that was like really funny because it's just so, I never noticed that sign before ever in that store. And what are the odds the one day I finally see that sign, which I've never seen before, because I guess I was looking about the mask policy, so I was looking for it. And then there's a lady clearly with a dog right at the counter. What an asshole. People are such dicks. Uh, some sake. Sake. I want sake. Sake. So also, the sushi place across the street, there's two sushi places across the street. One closed because they suck because they're, they suck. And I told you they had a, they had a fucking D for a long time and a grade for a health inspector. So the other place I would get sushi at down the street also closed i've been going there for years and they had a board of health listing too i thought they were just closing because of covid oh my god that side of the block is full of vermin which is funny because on the other side of the block which is the sushi place i always get from now looks like it should be full of vermin because it's kind of gross but the food there is good and we eat there all the time but it's funny on something on that block and that's also the same block where that chinese food place burned down speaking of which and i have footage in the bonus video if i can get to the bonus video this week i may have to take a week off um and i'll come back at you big next week but if i uh, get a chance oh my god right outside my window on wednesday night there was a massive car explosion fire on the queensborough bridge and i took video of it i heard all this noise while i was trying to edit i think one of the billy joel things and it sounds like gunfire but i'm like come on we know it's probably just a garbage thing. You know, it's always like that. But it was this car blowing up. I was like, all right, now I got to take a look. And I go on and I see this huge, like a movie set engulfed in flames, 
high up, smoke billowing like a van that caught on fire right on the entrance to the bridge. And because I heard all these fire trucks coming around, because once you hear pops and then you hear fire trucks or fire or fire or police sirens, then I'm like, all right, wait a minute, maybe I better take because I just kept hearing sirens and sirens and sirens. So I finally get up and look, and I'm 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 thinking I'm never going to see anything, and like wow, and I opened my window and and took this unbelievable footage you will see on the bonus show. Oh my God! I sent it to Sarah, I sent it to my sister, I sent it to Alana. I'm like, this is happening right now, and they're like, oh my God, you're waiting. To, I don't know how nobody was in there, and and then I was looking on the news. New York's such a funny town. It it, it, it didn't even make the news. I was looking everywhere. I'm like, what about the big car fire on the Queensboro Bridge? Nothing. Cause maybe because it was one in the morning. I don't know. I mean, was it an explosion? Was it a terrorist attack? How come nobody was in there? I was waiting when they had it, when it when the firefighters finally got, and I don't even know where they got water from now that I think about it. How do you get water on the Queensboro Bridge? I watched them douse it, and it was easy to put out, but I was waiting for the charcoal bodies like in uh, Star Wars when they, Aunt Farouk and Uncle Henry, whatever their names are, uh, Uncle Ed and the, and their charred bodies are because you know, Darth Vader you know blew up their home. I, I thought it was going to be like that, but there, I don't think there was anybody in there. Like I said, I never even heard about it on the news. I mean, that would have been the major news for the past ten years in any other town, I think, because it was such a massive fire. And yet, I guess um, everybody was on the look for that subway shooter. I you know, and you always think they're connected somehow. But I guess not. Nobody cares. I'm the only one that knows about it. <laughs> the only one. <laughs> what the fuck? This city is so fucked up. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. I'm trying to go to sleep for Thursday, right? I want to. It's going to be a big day, the funeral and everything, you know, and everything, and and buying. So I'm trying to get to sleep. And this guy from the Los Angeles Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw, is a really good pitcher. He has a perfect game, you know, which is almost impossible to do. I think only like 23 people have done it in the, since the beginning of the invention of baseball. That means you have 27 men up and 27 men down. Nobody gets on base. Perfect game. It's almost unheard of, and yet there was a period of time when it seemed like everybody was doing it, but it's almost impossible. And this guy, Clayton Kershaw, has a perfect game going into the eighth inning, and he takes himself out of the game. Or his manager says, okay, that's enough. I mean, and everybody was screaming about it, and that's all that was on. You know, when I listen to the sports station when I'm going to sleep, I couldn't go to sleep because everybody's so upset that this idiot left because things because baseball players are such pussies these days. They're so afraid of injury. He doesn't even want a perfect game on his record. W- what the fuck? We're talking about the competitive nature of the sport. Is he a competitor or not? You're worried about the innings and the innings. He didn't throw throw more than six. So what? You think Kershaw's going to stay healthy the rest of the year? I'd be willing to bet he's not. Because he never is, you moron. He has a chance to do something, Devin, as you probably know, has only been done 23 times in the history of the sport. And he's okay with being taken out? Leaving a game with 80 pitches in a perfect game. I don't even care if he had 100 pitches. If you leave with a perfect game, that is an embarrassment. I know it shouldn't even bother me, but it so did. 
and I don't want to go into it that much, but it was like one of the things that kept me up all night uh, because it was just, so, I'm like, wait, this, I, I didn't know about it. And then I was reading about it and I'm like, you got to be kidding me because it's so exciting when somebody does a perfect game. We don't know whether he would have got it, but I mean, what kind of man who grows up as a pitcher takes themselves and lets themselves be taken out of a game when he's throwing a perfect game? Why would the manager even do that? What an asshole. He's a, what he's afraid he's going to get hurt. Who cares? He's already won a World Series. He's already proven himself that he, he can make it in the postseason. I don't understand why you wouldn't want to be one of the 23 people that threw a perfect game. What an asshole. I hope you have to tell that to his kids one day. Like, wait, you let yourself be taken out of a perfect game? Well, at the time, I, what an asshole. I really can't stand that guy. What a dick. It bothered me all day long, right? Why should it bother me? I have no idea. It's just like, I think you're like, you know, when you're, when you're, when you have a career where you want to get to the pinnacle and then you just kind of, I don't know. It's like he already won the World Series. So he has his team pinnacle and he can always have that. But then it's this personal thing that, that would have made his teammates happy and the, the, and the people in Minnesota happy. They were playing the Twins. They were in Minnesota. It would have made the people at the ballpark happy. They're losing. But then you're like, oh, I watched this perfect game, even though it wasn't my team. And he took it away from everybody. Oh, God, I hate baseball so much sometimes. These people, all they do is get injured. It's baseball. Can we see how people in football get injured? Oh, my God, of course. Even basketball, you can see how powerful it is you know that they're bumping and hitting each other how are you getting injured in baseball are you fucking kidding me you're running around you hit the ball with a bat are you kidding me you're not even touching anybody how are you getting injured all the time you can understand a pitcher throwing out his arm but i mean jesus christ what a bunch of pussies now would i say that to their face no but i mean where are they getting all these baseball injuries where are they coming from what are they doing? They should be in complete perfect shape. And the thing is, in baseball players back in the day were not in any kind of shape, and they lasted for years and played for all the time, and they won games. I mean, the 1986 Mets were high as kites and doing cocaine, and they won. These are like superior athletes that are in the tip top of the most shape that anybody could be in, and all they do is keep getting injured. It's really frustrating and annoying. And you just have to say, like, oh, my God, this is not a game of men. It's a game of little boys, which, of course, is what baseball is anyway. That's right. Screw the Yankees. Thank you. So, on Thursday, I know the funeral is going to be at this place. So, I decide, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I want to make sure I've eaten something because I don't want my stomach growling, right? You got to take this shit in consideration you know, I want to make sure I just have my coffee and I want to make sure that I've digested it enough in case there's any, you know, stomach issues or anything. So I wake up at six o'clock and I order breakfast from a diner. I order just some, I think, uh, some French toast and, you know, no eggs, they're too risky, some French toast and some bacon, some coffee. And it got here at like 6.45. It was perfect. And I ate that and then I like relaxed a little bit because waiting for it to, you know, digest and everything. And I didn't have to leave here until about 9.45. So it was perfect. You know what I mean? I was going to get all groomed, dressed up. I was like, what am I going to wear? So I wore the same suit I wore in Judge Jerry, but I wore a black shirt instead of the white shirt. 
I think it really made a difference. And I felt very good about what I was wearing. I didn't feel very fat. I felt um, like I looked okay and that I was looked respectful. I was, you know, because I was deciding whether to wear a tie or not. And I'm like, you know, I was looking it up online. I'm like, you're supposed to wear a tie at a funeral. I'm so glad I did because most everybody was wearing ties. And it is a sign of respect to dress up, especially for people that don't usually dress up like an Atel or a Jeff. I was really glad I did. And I, so then I took the motor scooter to the, I have to cough. <coughs> Sorry about that. So I took the motor scooter to the funeral home um, with my suit on, which again, I look like Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 2 or, or one of those commercials. Like I look like a businessman going to work with the helmet and the suit. It's very exciting. And it's all the way on the Upper West Side. So I go through Central Park and it was a, uh, Oh, my God, it was the most picture-perfect day. But, of course, it's the first day of the year. It's 80 degrees, and I'm wearing a suit and tie. So I'm already panicked in my house that I'm sweating already because it's starting to get hot. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I got to wear – I had to put on my air conditioner for a little bit so I, because nobody wants to get anywhere sweaty, even though I knew once I was on the motorcycle, I would you know, relax a little bit, and it was going to be perfect weather. But I was getting, I was getting up tight, so I started to panic already. And then – I, I got there and I got there really early and I went and I saw Darren and I saw the kids who I don't know very well as well as the other as well as like Jeff and Dave know them and stuff but um, you know everybody was doing the best they could and then you know I saw I saw John Fugel saying I don't know if you know who he is but he has really long hair so I didn't recognize him some people were ma- wear masks some people were and I didn't want it unless it was mandatory but it wasn't and then Natterman came in and um, Steve, outside Steve, and, uh, you know, all the comics were coming in slowly. And then Jeff came in because I was there earlier than everybody else because I, I guess I thought that was the plan or maybe I thought any way I could help. But I'm glad I came in early because I got to see the family and, you know, have a little private moment before, before it got crowded. So I said, so I was going to sit down like in the back, but then I said to Jeff, what, you know, what do you want me to, what do you want me to do? And he's like, well, sit with me. So... I sat in the front. I'm like, are you sure? I sat in the front row. I'm like, are you sure? So you feel bad. And they're, and they're like, even like, well, just make sure there's enough room for the family members. And so I sat in the corner, in the very corner, in the front row uh, with Jeff and Andrew Jarecki, the, who directed uh, Bumping Mics and his wife, and Penn Gillette's wife. Because she was staring at me the whole time like, who the fuck is this guy? Right. That's what it was. But Penn Gillette wasn't there. And, uh, you know, I'm saying to myself, what am I doing in the front row? And the, on the other side is Dara and the kids and, you know, her parents, I think. And Gilbert's sister, which we didn't know he had a third sister, which was quite interesting, and their, and her son. Uh, you know, in the documentary, they only show one sister. I didn't know they had a third one and was never spoken of. The funeral was great. And I can't deny I wasn't looking forward to it. I can actually probably play clips from it because it's not like it's a... Uh, I think they they have been playing clips. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, it was so funny. Why wouldn't it be? It it was uh, a joy to attend for its uh, sadness and its a complete laugh out loud crying comedy moments. So obviously, when Dara got up, it was really sad, but still she was telling funny stories, really funny stories, like the first time they met and how she fell in love with this guy. 
He asked her to go out, and the first night they went, they went to a diner. He took her to a diner on the first date, and they only bought one rice pudding to share. <laughs> and I guess she found that great, and she was in love. She really, really cared about him, and it was very clear how she changed his life for the better, clearly. You know, these kids were great. They were sitting up there. They're very well-behaved and very good kids. And then Jeff got up, and he was amazing, of course. Of course. Had the good jokes, obviously. And then Susie Essman got up, and she was great, too, obviously. And it was so good to see her. And uh, Alan's Y. Bell, who, you know, used to write for Saturday Night Live for years and used to, you know, knew all the original Saturday Night Live cast members and was very friendly with Gilbert. Paul Schaefer got up. I spent a lot of time with him, actually, which was exciting. And then Frank Santa Padre got up. And like I said, Frank and I have been... No, I met David Tell first, but right. Then Frank, then Jeff, in that order, ironically. And he was I, he was great. But he was telling uh, the stories that the reason why I like him, he was using all the references. He was telling Gilbert jokes. And he was using all the references of why I liked Gilbert and why I like Frank. He was doing the Schneider from One Day at a Time references. So that one was making me cry laughing, crying laughing. I couldn't even take it anymore. I was dying. Poor choice of words, but you know what I'm saying. And he also mentioned me. Uh, So... He's like, oh, my God, there's so much comedy royalty here today. Jeff, obviously, Jeff Ross, David Tell, Susie S. Allen's White Bell, Dave Juskow. And then, you know, everybody's going like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, Judy Gold is there. Like, really? Um, but it made me feel better. Thank God Frank mentioned my name because then I felt – because then that woman, Penn Jillette's wife, was staring at me like, huh, I guess he's supposed to be here. So then I felt a little better about being in the front row because then when it was over, uh, the pole bearers were Jeff and Dave uh, and everything. So they were, and Dave was wearing a, he was wearing a tie and a backwards baseball cap. What the hell's the matter with this guy? He's so crazy. They're like, let the family go up first, of course, before everybody leaves, right? So they all leave and they're all going. I'm like, well, I'll just wait. I'll wait. But everybody's waiting for me because the front row, has to be clear before anybody else moves. So I'm like, I guess I better go. It was just like in um, Seinfeld when Kramer was a seat filler. And then they're like, come on, come with us. Come on, let's go. Let's get up there. It was just like that. I got swept away. And you can see me in the video. If you ever get to see the video, I don't know whether they made it public or not. You know, looking like I don't know what I'm supposed to do and looking at my friends and they're like, what the fuck is the matter with you? I'm like, I don't know why I'm here. I mean, I, I mean, I, I love Darren Gilbert and everything, and I, there's a way I deserve to be here, but I, I feel, I don't know, I feel a little out of place, but honored, extremely honored uh, to be that close. And me and Dara, you know, Gilbert's wife, are, are actually very close. So, you know, we talk just to shoot the shit. And me and Frank, obviously, are close. So Frank got really emotional, and his was the one that, you know, really just because he got emotional. No, Everybody else was able to keep it together. He he just really, he couldn't take it. And he just ran away afterwards and actually went home. He's such a sweet guy, Frank. You know, he's such a smart guy. And 
you know, maybe we'll have him on and we'll talk a little bit about it because he's such an interesting guy. I felt bad for him. You know, he lost his partner to, you know, in the the show. I guess the show, you know, it signals an end. I think they did over four or 600 episodes. I don't know, four or 500 episodes. That You know, that's pretty much the end of the show. Obviously, I asked, like, if you want me to take over for... No, I'm just kidding. But it's like, it's it's weird that you're doing a show where you're interviewing people and you're trying to get them before they die and the host dies before you've completed the project. But they certainly interviewed everybody. They 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 did pretty good with themselves. And Frank said that they he did at least get to tape one live last one with Gilbert before he passed. So that was pretty good. Um, then we were all going to the cemetery. I'm like, well, I'm free all day, so it's cool. So I rode with Jeff. I didn't know Dave was going. You know, he texted me later. Do you want to ride with me? I'm like, sorry, I didn't know you were driving and so we went up to the cemetery and just because that's what you do again it was such a beautiful day <laughs> it is kind of a thing you're always expecting it to rain or something everybody carrying umbrellas i went home with uh dave because i know he you know he wanted some company so yeah then i saw bob saget's kids were there which is so nice and of course they just lost their father so that was so sweet of them. What great kids. Really nice girl. Just I only know two of them, which I think I know Aubrey and I don't know Lara. I don't know if which one of the other one I know, which is rude, but I, I know I know Aubrey really well. And um they're such great kids. I mean, look look at these. These these fathers with terrific kids. It's so horrible. But the, the kids were handling things very, very well. It'd be 12 and 14. I'm not sure how I would react and, you know, who knows how things will be in the future. Obviously, they have a great mom and a really good support team. Oh, I forgot to tell you, on the way to the funeral, where I was with Jeff and this guy, Alan Lee, I think he's a writer, great guy. And Jeff's friend was driving us, this guy, Mark. And Jeff uh, FaceTimed John Stamos while we were going up because, you know, he wanted to tell him about the funeral because John was, you know, John also obviously lost Bob and he was friends with Gilbert, but he was uh, taping his TV show. So they were FaceTiming and John Stamos is driving and, I mean, the guy just can't not look handsome. I mean, he was gorgeous. You're just seeing the face. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's so good looking. Now he was wearing makeup because he was, because during COVID, I think they have somebody come over the house, do the makeup. So when you get there, you're ready to go. But I mean, he still looked great. And he was fun to talk to. And, you know, we, we were talking about the funeral. We had some laughs about Gilbert and stuff like that. And it was good. But, uh, yeah, oh God, you just can't. You, all you take away is I'm like, Jesus Christ, that guy's good looking. So that was like, you know, I'm just sitting there going like, what an interesting day. What a strange day for somebody like me who, you know, can't find a job. Yet you're in this little crazy world. And then we went back to the city and I told the tell to uh, just, he should park in his garage because it'll be a pain in the ass to park where we're going. And so we did and we got some coffee. We got some iced tea. I was so thirsty. I was really losing. Oh, because I know why. I got sunburned. But I knew I was going to get sunburned. So I put on sunscreen so there was no hurt. But I was red. From just being out, I don't not used to being out in the sun like that, so I knew it, and I put on some sunscreen. Look at me! Oh yeah, I'm like, you know what? You never think about this. 
So I would have been burned. I was wondering why I was so thirsty. I was dehydrated. So we got some iced tea and we walked over to this place, which is by Union Square. And it was a much longer walk than we had thought from like, you know, the, the, all the way on the west side to kind of the east side. And it was hot and we were wearing suits, you know. And Dave was walking so fast. And I'm like, can you slow down? I don't want to get there all sweaty. And then I remembered this place where it was. I thought it was a restaurant, but I remember, oh, my God, wait, I've been here before through another friend. And I remember they have a, a kitchen, which they usually do TV tapings at, like a food network kitchen or something. It's a perfect place to have, you know, a shiva, which is, you know, uh, like a, everybody brings food and you're all hanging around and talking and drinking. And the, the, a shiva for Jewish people usually lasts seven days, actually, or whatever it is, five days. Um, I mean, it's supposed to, I think, last seven and true orthodox religion but you know they just had this one day because of passover so it all was trouble but it was from like three to nine and we got there exactly on time and i was just planning on staying the entire time you know or whenever somebody told me i had to leave i didn't have any other plans we weren't going to the show and uh david and i got there and I, then i remember this place and i remember wait there is a little i know the owner of this place i've been here before and he took me into this little Alice in Wonderland room that I know exists in this place. And then I finally saw the owner and I'm like, wait a minute. I know I've been here before. You show me where you used to live with you and your wife and two kids in this little area that looks like the three bears would sleep there. And he took me on the tour again. And it was so awesome. And I tried to take pictures, but the pictures do not depict the amazingness of it. And I tried to grab a tell and Jeff, I'm like, hey, come to the tour. But nobody was around at the time, so it was just me and this guy, David, who's a great guy. And it was so funny the whole time. Every time I told everybody about it, he goes, what room? What are you talking about? And because because I was, I've been dreaming about this room because I couldn't remember where I saw this little room. And then I remembered when we went in, I'm like, wait a minute. I've been here before. So it was really funny. He kept going, what room are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. It was really funny. But I tried really hard to get the proper photographs, but I couldn't do it. But this guy was a nice guy, and he was so kind to give up the place for, you know, a day so everybody could, you know, be together. And there was so much food. But, of course, I couldn't eat it. Jeff didn't have any problem. <laughs> but it was, I was so glad I got to be there. And then, then of course, you know, Sarah's like, should I come? And... I was like, oh, I don't know. I think it's winding down. But of course, right. I was like, it's not winding down. It goes till nine. Shiva goes in and out, in and out. But there weren't a lot of comics there. So I wasn't sure. And then Jeff got upset because he's like, no, don't tell Sarah not to come. Because I forgot. I forgot. It's it's a big deal for Sarah to come. It's a big deal for Jeff to come. It's just a big, it's a, obviously also a big deal for Sarah. It's a big, you know, Jeff and Dara talk a lot. But, you know, Sarah would be a, a big deal knowing she's busy working on a play. So... She lived down the street, so I went to go get her and bring her over, and I got pictures. She looked great. We looked great together. I brought her in, and everybody was so happy to see her, obviously. The kids were happy. They were excited. I don't know whether she ever met Gilbert's daughter, so she was thrilled. And You know, I mean, if you can make everybody's day like that after a tragedy, which this is, then that's that's a pretty good deal. So... Then Jeff came back because he had gone for a little bit because he's been exhausted. You know, he's been running around and and this and, you know, worried and he had shows coming up. And and then we all got together. We took some great photos. and We all hung out. We went back to 
Sarah's after hung out. We brought Natterman with us for laughs. <laughs> hey, we'll bring that Natterman kid around for laughs. Usually that's me. We brought Natterman around for laughs. Just had a great, we had some tea because my voice was, oh, and so Jeff said, hey, can you open for me on Friday at the Stress Factory? And I was, we weren't doing Seder that night, even though it was a Seder. My sister was having it the next day. I'm like, yeah, sure. I just instantly said, okay. But I was only worried, and of course I wanted to, but I was worried about my voice holding out. So then I started to panic. So I was like, definitely, well, I can't get high. But she made me some tea. And I just kept like eating ice. I don't know. I was getting confused. I didn't know how to handle it. And I went home and I tried to take care of myself. Even though I walked home again. I was like, well, I'm already... It's already cold. And now it's cold again. It was 81 degrees. I'm just in my jacket, suit jacket. But of course, it's getting cold again. But I, I don't know. I just, I wanted to walk. And then I'm just panicked, you know, about the next day because I want to make sure it's good. There's two shows. My sister and niece are coming and my nephew. And uh, I will just tell you right away that when I got up on stage, I just I totally lost my voice. It was awful. I mean, my sister said it wasn't that awful, but it threw me off. And I used the Gilbert thing as an excuse. And then um, that, that was the wrong move because I shouldn't have brought up Gilbert's funeral. And ah, I messed up the first show. I messed up. I didn't do bad, but it wasn't very good. My sister said it was okay. But she said it was good. She was like, oh, you were good. You had new material. And I'm like, thank you. But the second show was terrific and worked exactly the way it should. Jeff gave me some advice He's like, eh, talk about like when you're on a podcast, you know, do like that. And that worked out great. And that was in front of the owner, thank God. So it totally rectified myself. I had some friends there. Vic Henley's wife was there. My friend Lou Pellegrino, you all know. Uh, so that was great. Thank God. And I mean, I was getting laughs like the way, like leveled laughs for the jokes. I got this joke where I say, um, I didn't know, I didn't, my dad never gave me the sex talk. The only thing he told me was never in the ass and hide your wallet, right? And it got big laughs, much bigger than I expected. And then while the laughs are going on, I had taglines, which I normally don't. I go like, and that was on our way to the dentist. And then I got bigger laughs. And then I said, plus I was already 42. So big laughs. I couldn't even believe it. It was like, uh, wow, this is exciting. I don't think I've ever done this well. Like, I, I mean, I did good for Jeff last time on the second show. Uh, I, and this is all from not performing on a daily basis. Like I just need one warm up show before I do a show like that and I'm good to go. But when you don't perform on a fucking weekly basis, you, you, that first show is going to be bad. And it's so funny because that's exactly what happened at the Christmas when I opened for Jeff at, uh, Caroline's and the second show was great. And the first show was just okay. And I put it together. And it's funny because I'm sure I could do that if I just ha had more performance times and stuff. But I'm saying when I went home on Thursday and I'm like, bye, what a night. And now I'm performing tomorrow. Look at my life. Look how wonderful it could be. You know, going to the village, the Comedy Cellar Christmas party and then, I mean, attending a, a, a funeral. But listen, you know me. I've never had a bad time at a funeral. I mean, a funeral, is a, it's nice to see everybody. As, as sad as tragic as it may be, I, I like the aftermath. You know, look at all these people I'm talking to Paul Schaefer and uh, tell. I'm like, you know, you bought this guy up the first time he was on. You bought him up to that song Brandy. He's like, I did, and he was really nice and he was so easy to talk to. I talked to this guy Craig Bierko, who I don't know whether you know he's an actor. And I said, I saw you in The Music Man many years ago, and 
very handsome fella. And him and Sarah were in a pilot together. And then uh, she was talking about it like it was the first time she ever like kissed anybody. So it was kind of fun. But, you know, it's just you feel like you're part of it. You feel like you belong. And you know me, I always feel like I don't belong sometimes. And because my life is just so duplicitous. <laughs> is that, is that, or the juxtaposition from what I do or what I could be or what I am is just so strange. And like I said, to perform, also on Friday I had, I had the waitresses bought me some ice cream and that seemed to help because again, the second show, my voice was better. Go figure. I don't know. Maybe I was just so nervous about the voice. And why wouldn't you be? You know, you want to be able to say stuff. You want to be able to shout and you want to be able to do stuff the right way and inflections. And if your voice is your quote tool, uh, you know, and I get nervous about that and it's in your head. And as soon as I get up there, I'm like, hello. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Panic mode. My sister told my niece and nephew, like, see the problem with uncle Davis is one thing goes wrong. The whole set is thrown off. She was so right. But, you know, and so, yeah, so it, we we took a, a car service to the show on Friday and had a good time. My friends, you know, I said Victoria came. Then we went out for like a drink after with Jeff. He's so, Jeff is the best to work with because he's never in a rush. And then the car service took us back home and Jeff was uh, kind of, we got some pizza down in the village. We just sat with the guy who was driving. He was so nice. I may use him to pick up my mother sometimes. Turns out he lives, his mother lives in that same neighborhood. It's perfect. Great guy. He was kind enough to take me home. I said, you don't have to take me home. And he did. And, and like you said, you know, you feel like a star. I mean, you know, working with Jeff and then I'm in a, you know, a big truck limo and getting dropped off at my door and there's no reason this entire week didn't make me feel like a million bucks. Like it can all work out and and that's the way you should feel. But now what? It, like I said, it is a very, very strange existence to live like this way where there's so much promise and hope, especially for somebody my age. And I just can't seem to hone it in a way that'll work for me, I guess, financially, which is the only issue. Because if finances weren't a problem, everything would be great. But you could say that about anybody. Why is everyone afraid? Why is this night different from all others? Because this night the Lord our God will deliver us from the bondage of Egypt. So on Saturday, of course, we decided to do the Passover Seder. And, of course, I had been like, you know, and again, I haven't been eating, but but it's been good in that sense. You know, I got home, maybe I have something, um, not something healthy, but just something. It's not the huge, massive meals I make on Saturday nights or anything. But I just kept getting up and then going, you know, trying to take care of my voice and then going and uh, I had to go. I go to the garage and I go to, I get to pick up my, I decided I pick up my mom and bring her to the Seder. And I went to the garage. Of course, the car didn't start. So I went downstairs and we started it. No big deal. Used to that. But then of course I got to, you know, give the guy extra money because it's polite that he, you know, did all that. I went to my mom's and I picked her up. Right. I had to fix her printer first. Right. Then I picked her up and we got gas. I remember it was like, come on, come on. We got to go Bethel Killers. But I got to make two stops. We had to get gas and lottery tickets. Because <laughs> you got to have lottery tickets for the prize for when you find the Afi Komen. Everybody knows that. 
And then I stopped at Dunkin' Donuts for a huge iced tea because I like to have like I like to have a huge big drink in front of me, like with a straw when I'm doing the seder. And you know, we had a, we had a really good time. It was a, a great seder. I feel like I ran a good seder. My voice held out mostly. I could even sing some of the songs. I give a little preview. Eliyahu Hanavi. Eliyahu Hatishbi. Eliyahu. Eliyahu. Eliyahu Hagiladi. Little channeling Gilbert doing his fake rabbi imitation, which was always so funny. That was the other thing we were worried about, too, was about how what Howard Stern was going to mention. So that's why I woke up early on Wednesday. I couldn't sleep because I wanted to get up at 7 and see what he was going to say because he's a little two-faced. Because Gilbert used to be on all the time, but Howard took him off because he made this deal and he wanted to he wanted to have A-list stars on. And this woman that he hired, this girl Marcy, said, if you want to get the Madonnas and the Lady Gagas and the McCartneys, the Paul McCartneys and the whoever in this world, the Jennifer Anistons, if you want to get these people... You got to get rid of Gilbert Gottfried. You got to get rid of certain people. And Gilbert was one on the on the list. And he was never asked to return, which burned me up because by 2015, you figure everything's good. He's gotten what he's gotten. And Gilbert's working at Sirius. Why can't he come back? The guy was on, as Howard said, the next day, like 144 times. And I didn't feel he was the one to make any kind of tribute because he really treated him badly at the end. And what happened was he was making a little bit of a tribute, and it was okay, and he was saying, as I wanted to go, but I mean, he definitely said he was brilliant and everything, because he was, and he was great on the show, but he didn't really be honest about why he was off the show. So finally, about three hours later, I think even after Amy Schumer was on, a caller called and said, why didn't you have him on anymore? Why was there just, if you loved him so much, why did he stop coming on? And he goes, oh, um, well, call him back another time, I'll tell you the whole story. See? That ain't cool. So if Howard was going to be honest about it and he said, look, this is what I wanted to do, that I could respect. But I had a feeling it was going to be a little bit two-faced and I was very upset by that. So I was not happy with the, you know, so-called tribute. I know they were doing like a tribute forum on 101, the the other station, but I don't know. But I'm I'm glad they still talked about it and, you know, talked about his, his really funny greatness and just a lot of his spot-on imitations and everything and stuff like that. But anyway, so we uh, do the Seder, and it's really a good time, and having, you know, it was fun. My mother was actually having a great time. She was talking to everybody. It was really it was interesting. She looks much better, by the way. The, you know, swelling and everything has gone down, so you can actually look her in the face while you're eating. It used to be disgusting. <laughs> Although I've always felt I can't look at her. Look at her. Oh, my mother. I wouldn't look at her if I... I'm doing a little back... No. Uh, easy money action. Um, Anyway, we're hanging out, and I was just there. I don't know. I was just hanging out. I didn't want to go home. And then when I finally was going home, my car wouldn't start. I couldn't believe it. That's never happened before. The battery always dies when I leave it for a week, but usually when I drive it, driving to my mother's house, driving to my sister, I mean, that's a lot of driving. It usually, I could, you know, six hours later, I'm good to go. And of course, of course, what happened? It was fucking raining. My car was parked outside, fucking raining. So I opened the, and 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 th- they were doing nothing to help me. I'm talking about my sister, my brother-in-law, my niece, they're just sitting there. I'm like, my car won't start. So I have this charger in my car and they're like, oh, do you need an umbrella? 
<laughs> I'm like, yeah. But they just started watching TV. And then I go out and I'm trying to set up this little battery pack that I have that does it. And it's just not working. I'm sure I'm doing it right, but it's not working. And I hook up the umbrella, so I'm like under it. But it's so annoying that it's raining too. And I'm like, now what am I going to do? I can't. Where am I going to tow it to? I don't even know a place. I can't tow it to New York again. I'll never be able to get out of the garage. I don't even know what the matter is. It's got to be the battery. It seems like it's always the battery. Why isn't this charge working? Of course, I hadn't. It looked like it was on, but this thing my sister got me for just such an emergency, it just wasn't powerful enough, I guess. And then Matt finally came out, and I was like, I was like, can you help me? And he came out, and he tried it, and it just wasn't working. So I called AAA. I said, I think I just need a jump, and they're great. But, like, they, my sister and brother, they wouldn't turn off. Like, the sound was really loud, and I'm trying to talk to AAA in the house, but they won't turn down the sound. Like, it's so fucking annoying. They just didn't care. They're like, ah, he'll figure it out. You would think my sister would come by and be like, hey, are you, what are you going to do? You know, you, no, she, was, she was done. She was done. Well, you can't blame her, too. Like, she, you know, well, Matt cooked, but she put together this whole thing you know and all this stuff so who knows it was just really annoying and um but AAA is the best and i told you i highly recommend always having it what is it fifty dollars a year worth every goddamn penny especially if you spend an extra 10 bucks i think he had a hundred mile free tow so they said we'll be there in a half hour and they were there in exactly a half hour you could track them the guy took out the battery thing and it started immediately I just needed a stronger battery charger. And it started right away. And I'm like, that's it? He's like, yeah, that's it. And then I gave the guy some money because I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I, he doesn't want anyone. I just got, what am I going to do? I was thrilled. I'm like, well, at least I can make it to the garage and I don't think it'll ever start again. I mean, I, I wasn't sure. If it wasn't the battery, then I don't know what was going to do. Now I got to get a bigger charger because if this is going to happen all the time, I don't mind. I know exactly what to do. But I don't mind jump-starting it, but I, I'm going to need, like, a serious good charger. And if I had money, I would get one because I don't think they're that expensive. Maybe they're 159 bucks instead of the one I bought for $30. But I was so glad. I was like, what am I going to do? Where am I going to take it? I, I mean, I could, thank God it was just parked at my sister's and I could go in the house. and we're, I mean, thank God, right? Because what if I'd stopped in uh, the turnpike in my usual way and I'm like, oh, what a pain in the ass. So... I made it home, thank God. And then, of course, I walked home from that. And it was freezing. <laughs> it wasn't freezing when I left. But I was prepared this time. At least I bought a big jacket. And then I was just so happy to be home. And I'm like, wow, wow. What a week. What a week. Right? That was a lot packed in from Friday to Saturday. That was a lot packed into one week and now this week i have nothing going on absolutely nothing it's perfect <laughs> and go back to my way no now you gotta take that what you learned and use it somehow in a positive manner and put it to good use am i right let's think positive it is a beautiful day i am looking out the window in new york city recording on easter sunday I'm sure I'll get this out in time. Everything will be cool. And that's the most important thing. So I will tell you this as we leave you for next week. And who knows? Next week, it'll be so funny. I'll have nothing to report. I'll, I, I can, you know what? I'll record next week's podcast tomorrow. And I'll be like, well, 
What happened from today? Well, I, I, I got up. I looked for a job. It's just like that Cheech and Chong thing, that Sister Mary Elephant. <laughs> I got up. I looked for a job. But anyway, folks, I hope you had a wonderful week as well, even though mine is a strange wonderful week to have. But it's always so nice to see people, especially when there is tragedy, to know the support you have of people or trying to support your friends. And since so many, so, so many of the good people are dying and the assholes still survive, we have to rally around each other and take care of each other because we're all we've got. There's a lot of douchebags in this world and they're seemingly going to be around forever. You know, my mother's going to live till... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, folks, I hope you have a great week. Listen to Billy Joel A to Z this week, starting the R's. At least we're back to the music a little bit. And, of course, the show on Tuesday night tonight at 6 o'clock is always a good time. And otherwise, we'll see you next week on Just Cow in the City. Good night, everybody.